0: Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail. We're mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your Breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail. I'm your host, Gary Ware. And today I have a special guest, my friend Danny Marr, Captain of the U.S. Marine Corps. Welcome to the show, Danny.
1: Hey, good morning. It's great to be here.
0: Awesome. And it wouldn't be a breakthrough cocktail podcast without uh, something to drink. Today I am drinking Athletic Greens. It's one of my go to in the morning. It has all, oh, there you go, so you can see it. It has all the nutritional value of greens and stuff like that. Uh, I'll have information about that in the show notes. Reason why I like Athletic Greens is that it is tasty and supposedly it's supposed to make you happier. Uh, Danny, what are you drinking this morning?
1: So this morning, my cocktail, being that it's 8.45 in the morning, is a protein shake.
0: Awesome. What kind of protein yeah. shake do you drink?
1: Uh, it's just pure whey protein. There's, there's very, very few carbs in it and almost no fat. It's cappuccino rush flavor. Nice. So it tastes like something I would order at uh, Starbucks. Great. It's, it tastes like candy and it's full of protein. So Perfect. that's my cocktail.
0: Okay. Well, let's get started. Uh, Danny, let's start about now. Like, Tell our listeners a little bit about you, what you're currently doing, and then we'll jump back and we'll see how you got there.
1: Uh, So right now, I am transitioning out of the Marine Corps and I'm actually being medically retired. So um, I will, uh, I'll be officially out August 30th. And then when I'm out, uh, my goal is to write full time and travel during the next one year, climb three of the world's um, highest mountains, and then join the New York Police Department uh, at the end of next summer.
0: Wow, that is a tall order. That's um, You seem very ambitious and you have your head on straight. Were you always like that? No. Yeah. Most certainly not. Alright, so let's jump back there. Uh, you know, right now you're in the Marine Corps, you're extremely active, you are looking to climb mountains and work for the police. Um what were you like, you know, as a child? How did you become the Danny who you are now? Let's let's hear that story.
1: Uh I was uh I was that that hyper kid that was always doing things for attention. And um I mean, when I say that out loud, I actually haven't changed a bit <laughs> um, but uh i was I was very unsure of myself and um very insecure and i didn't I didn't have a good ability to make connections with other people and uh create friendships so that that I felt lonely quite often. I was lucky because I had a very, very good family. And I was always best friends with my brother. But outside of that, I found myself um, being alone for much of my childhood.
0: Okay, yeah. And I bet that's pretty rough being you know, an outsider, looking in and, and wanting to be part of that crowd. What was that pivotal moment where you decided, you know what, I'm just going to go for it? And tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, so sophomore year of high school, I had a absolutely terrible year. Um, I had, I joined the football team thinking that I was going to get a great experience playing football, make a lot of new friends, uh, meet girls, and I was I was really, really excited to do that at the end of my freshman year. But when I got on the team, I was terrible. I was really slow. I was weak. Uh, I, I was just terrible. I sucked at football. And I rode the bench. and never played. So nobody wanted to be friends with Scrub. Nobody liked me. Nobody respected me. Girls didn't want to go out with me. And uh, I was uh, I was made to feel I had my sense of self-worth was rock bottom and it steadily got worse until the end of my sophomore year. And then um, I got to a point where I felt so terrible about myself and I was so unhappy. I thought, why am I, why am I bothering to live when I'm so unhappy? I should just kill myself. There's no, as I'm wasting, I'm a waste of life. And then as soon as that idea entered my head, I thought, wow, what a selfish little coward. And I started thinking about all, my, all the things my parents had done and sacrificed to give me a good life. Um, and it seemed, it seemed so incredibly selfish for me to want to take it, take my own life after all they'd given to give me a good life. And the idea was out of my mind as soon as it was in. And then I, um, and I thought, well, I'm not going to continue living this way. I'm, I'm, I, I will, I, I cannot live with myself and be be happy and feel this little ball of happiness when I'm on my bed looking up at the ceiling. Um, so I thought I I knew exactly what I needed to be happy. And what I needed to be happy was to stop being so afraid of things. And stop allowing fear to push me around. And what that means is not being such a coward, is is what it meant. And I, I'm I'm fortunate that I had the the ability to identify that about myself and then understand that I know what's making me unhappy and I know what I need to do to be happy, and that's to face my fears.
0: Got it. And so how did you do that? How that seems like a big undertaking to one day realize that. So what steps did you take to help you start facing your fears
1: and building your confidence? Um, I think the first thing I did the next day, because once I got to that point, I, I was, I just, I stopped caring as much. That's what it was. I was like, you know what? All these people that have been bullying me and making me feel like garbage—I don't—I I, I don't care what they think anymore. Um, and if I embarrass myself further, I don't care. It's like it was like I had let go. And um, so I started the next day. I think I I volunteered for something in class, and I was. I, I, the second I got in front of the class, I'd get red face, sh- hands would sweat, sh- shake, voice would shake and crack, and so I avoided getting in front of the class at all times. And then the next day, the teacher asked for a volunteer, and I jumped right up, and I was still nervous. Um, my heart was beating out of my chest, but I- afterwards, I was like, that wasn't that bad. And then I did it again and again. I did it in one of my other classes, and then. The next day, I was like, I am want to talk to this person. And um, and then after that, I volunteered to do an extra presentation in one of my classes like two weeks later. And just the act of volunteering for that two weeks out was incredibly nerve wracking. But, but the way I was living each day was like, I have no choice, I have to do this. If I'm scared of it, I must do it. Awesome. All right,
0: so then, you know, obviously your courage started building up and let's fast forward to college. You, you were telling me that that's when you really started becoming a leader. Uh, how was, how was your college life? What, what all went on there?
1: Um. So the the first time I was a leader was actually in high school, my senior year. And, um, and I had a group of friends who wanted to be, They all wanted to be my friend and I wanted to be their friends. And so I literally took everyone under my wing and it was, um, you know, it was pretty much me driving what we were going to do on any given day or on any given weekend. Um, And I always I had seen guys before me earlier in high school who were the leaders of their groups, you know, the captains of the football team. And I had thought I want to be like them. Like they were, they were, you know, big, buff, tough guys, but they were also very nice and and loving, and some of them funny people. And I was like, that's the kind of leader I want to be. I don't want to be, you know, a stuck up dictator. I want to be the kind of person who can influence others and still be loving and silly and fun at the same time. And uh, so that's what I was. Going into college, I joined a fraternity. And as I was pledging the fraternity, I didn't like the way things were being run and I said to myself, I'm going to be the president of this fraternity and I'm going to make this the way I want it to be. And uh, I became the youngest president they had had in like 20 years, uh, very shortly after.
0: Wow. So how did, you, how did you start becoming president? What steps did you take there to gain people's trust and show that you were worthy of becoming you know, president? Yeah.
1: Well, um, the funny thing about joining fraternity was that there were so many people around me who drank and partied more than me. It made me want to party and drink less because I didn't want to be like them. So I, it, it was actually very easy. I just identified all I had to do was be a little bit more responsible than everyone else on any given night, be a little less drunk, a little more in control. And then people will look to me for leadership. Um, you know, if, if 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 there's a problem in a room, everyone's going to look around for the least drunk guy <laughs> to help solve the problem. And uh, I became that guy, and I, I I actually cared about the fraternity, and other people sensed it, and I cared about the guys in it, and they sensed it, so they would come to me, and the, and I, I they would come to me to to fix any problem, and. and any aspect of their personal life or the fraternity life. And, um, I had a vision of what I wanted the fraternity to be, what I wanted to change and what I wanted to keep. And, um, when it was time to vote to, for the president, could you get voted? Your, your name gets put into a, a ballot, um, by someone else. They say, I want this guy to be the president. So they majority vote, they put him in. And then it was me and two other guys, and then I communicated my vision of the fraternity to them when I gave my speech for why they should elect me. And I had a good vision. I was one of the more responsible guys in the fraternity. And uh, they voted me.
0: Awesome. So it pays to have a vision and, and yeah. have just what you want to be in life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So just you know thinking about that, when you were in college, what was your – in goal, my end goal. Yeah, you. What was it? Just to get an education so that you can, you know, jump out and go into the military? Because I know that's what you've always wanted to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, was there anything in between that that you wanted to achieve while you were in college?
1: Um. To be honest, I was so consumed with the fraternity that my goal my, – my number one priority in life was to improve the fraternity, to structure the discipline, our status on campus. That was my main goal and, um, and education was second to that <laughs> which actually in the end, ended up being the best thing for me because I learned how to reform an organization at 20 years old and you know I was a I was up to like I think 60 person organization um which uh, as I learned getting into the corporate world and from all my friends who have been in the corporate world I mean and been in fraternities it's not that different at all um and so the time that I put into the fraternity is one of the, the best learning experiences I've ever had in my life. So I changed my major like five times. I ended up doing my last, my senior year of college. I ended up doing 19 units my first semester and 26 units my sec, my my last wow. semester of college. Um, and I was working 20 hours a week up until the last month of school, and then I quit that job.
0: Cool. So, what were you doing while you were in college? What was
1: your job? I I did a whole lot of jobs while I was in college, but um, the majority of what I did was working with kids because deep down I'm a little kid. (laughs) Yeah. I love being around kids. And I have, you know, I have a switch. And when the switch is flipped one way, uh, you would never want me around your children in a million years. And when it's flipped the other way, I'm. Just amazing when when dealing with children. I've never ever even said a bad word around a child, ever. It's like I've never even had a slip. Um, so and I work with kids a lot. I've worked as a camp counselor for two or three summers. I worked in a children's gym called J W Tumbles, teaching gym classes to kids anywhere from four to eleven. I did birthday parties for kids, both at through J W Tumbles, and I also dressed up as superheroes um, for kids' birthday parties. That was really fun. Um I did construction. Uh if I need if I needed work to save up for like a trip I wanted to take, I would just look on the, the message board, this back before Craigslist, for uh um people who are looking for work, like labor they could trust you know, thirty year old guy doesn't have time to do jobs around the house that uh he needs to do, and I, I would be paid to do those jobs. Um and then I worked in a, in a daycare center of a uh, gym in Del Mar and that was pretty much it. Wow. Yeah. I, I like that. <laughs> you just took
0: whatever you could take to mm-hmm. make ends meet. Mm-hmm. That's great. All right. So now let's fast forward. You graduate. So how did the Marines come into play? And tell me about that story about how you, you know, decided that's what you wanted to do and how you actually got in.
1: Um the idea was first implanted in my head by my father because he was an infantry marine uh in 1980 and um when I was a kid he was he was just getting out of the marine corps when I was born or he might have just gotten out and he never ever ever once in my entire life imposed the marine corps on on my brother and I but he loved the marine corps you know, after he got out, almost all Marines do. You just have this special, the Marine Corps is a special place in your heart. And, um, I could see it. And then as soon as I got on my first helicopter and first tank, you know, like the static displays, in Washington, DC, we did a family trip and I got on all that stuff. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I was like, Oh my, uh, I was like, this is the people are paid to do this as a little kid. I was like, and i know this sounds terrible but i was like war sounds like so much fun <laughs> <laughs> um and then i've you know as, as i got older I watched war movies and uh i always i wanted that experience and so um i knew that i wanted to get an education first because my dad said that's the smart way to do it and after looking at going in without an education and going in with i agreed um So I got my education and then I could not join because I had problems with both of my shoulders. They dislocated and my asthma was really bad at the time. Uh, So you're not allowed to join the Marine Corps with asthma or or bad shoulders. So I stopped using my inhaler, started doing triathlons, started like convincing myself that I could beat my asthma Um, and then uh, I would run myself into the ground. Uh, had surgery on one shoulder, worked full time for a year for healthcare coverage so that I could afford the surgery on the other shoulder, had that surgery done, and then uh, there 's a couple other things I wanted to do. I wanted to do an Iron Man and I wanted to travel Europe before I joined the Marines. so it, it literally worked out perfect because I, I got to have a great experience for three years after the college before Marine Corps, where I also learned a lot as a teacher and personal trainer and you know being uh, an independent. Businessman, um, and then uh, by the time I joined, I was ready. I was, I was, I was beyond ready, and I got to go in and exactly when I wanted to go in, which was in the winter, because uh, I didn't want my dad to to be able to call me a pansy for not going through the winter boot camp. Gotcha. <laughs> and where'd you go to boot camp? Uh, it was in Quantico, Virginia. Oh wow! For officers, it's actually called Officer Candidate School. But no one knows what that means who's not in the military. Yeah. So I just say boot camp. it's boot camp for officers. Got it.
0: So, so let's talk about your time in, in the Marines. How long were you in the Marines for? I've
1: uh, been in uh, five and a half years. Awesome.
0: And what was that? what is that like? Uh, were there a lot of things that you had to overcome? What sort of things did it teach you? you know, how do you feel like you've, uh, your value of life has improved because of your experience there?
1: um I was very fortunate in that I knew exactly to the T what to expect before I came in very very fortunate um I'm also fortunate because I'm not um phased by many of the things that the Marine Corps does to you in training to you know to change you and mold you uh I was unfazed by it. The Marine Corps did not change me a bit. It actually, made me less mature when I was not in uniform, which is the opposite of what they want from their officers. I just can't help it. That's just who I am. Um, so I was, I was. I knew exactly what to expect every step of the way, and I knew exactly how I wanted to perform every step of the way, and I. I did it. Did exactly. I, I was very very lucky in that sense. Um, what the what the Marine Corps did give to me, though, was this incredibly high standard of, of performance that I don't know where I would have gotten anywhere else unless I was in some, I don't know, some very, very intense job with a very, very intense company where I could be fired at any second and have a lot to lose. Um I know that exists in some companies. A lot of people deal with that in the corporate world all the time. Um, I just the Marine Corps was my chance to go through a, an, a very intense experience with a very high level of expectations every single day. Like every day you're there's this sense of intensity that um, you won't get anywhere else in the world. Um, the only place that would compare would be in a special operations unit, but in a special operations unit, everyone is is such a high level performer that nobody needs to be barking on top of them. Everyone can doesn't need to be told what to do. It's a higher caliber of person. So I have so much respect for them. Um, but in the infantry, you have the leadership as higher caliber people, and then. The lower levels are not always higher caliber, so the leadership has to constantly be on them, driving them and pushing them, and not letting anyone slide, not letting anyone get lazy for a half a second. Uh so it was a great experience.
0: Awesome. Now one thing one more thing I want to cover before we jump into our break is you trained for a Ironman. Now that is ridiculous. You you're someone that had asthma and mm, your know, shoulders dislocated. Yeah. So you're already, compared to most people, already have some you know, challenges that you have to overcome. What was that like and how did you get in the right mindset to overcome that?
1: Um, well, it was actually very, very easy because I identified before I even started – that people less fortunate than me with far greater disabilities than me have done far more than me. And once I identified that, I never, ever, ever once was, was very challenged or or felt uh, anything less than happy with what I was doing. I I never, ever, saw an obstacle in front of me. I always just saw an opportunity for 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 me to to, to be awesome really and, and be able to to share something something cool with someone else. So for example when with the asthma thing, you know, I've there are lots and lots of people that, that have bad asthma. I'm um, no different. Um but the way I handled it was I, I I would, like, stick my face into a cat, which gives me miserable asthma and allergies, and I would stick my face into a cat, and then I'd go run, and uh, well, I, I would wait a couple minutes for my asthma to kick in. I'd wait till like, I could hear my wheezing, and then I would go run, and I would start out slow, and I'd, I'd go until I almost had an asthma attack, and then I'd slow down, I'd talk myself through my own asthma attack uh, which really the way to get a, to get through asthma attacks is, is to relax most people stress themselves out as soon as they feel their bronchioles constricting and they get more stressed and then it causes the bronchioles to constrict more and if you just relax um, the bronchioles will relax in most cases that's obviously not <laughs> the case for everyone I'm, yes. I don't want to get somebody killed trying this shit yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah I, I would Everything I did, it was like, oh, my left arm doesn't work. No problem. I'll swim with my right. I just saw a guy with no legs swimming, so there's no reason I can't swim with one arm. And, uh, you know, it's like every, every challenge I ever had, it's like somebody's had way more. This is not a big deal. And I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to complain about this because someone's got it way worse than me. Awesome.
0: All right. Cool. Well, thank you for that. And we're going to – before we jump into our lightning round, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. To kick off the launch of the Breakthrough Cocktail podcast, we are throwing a contest. I'm giving away some of my favorite books that will help you level up your life. Also, one lucky winner will get a chance to join me at an exclusive mastermind event here in San Diego in December 2014. To learn more and to enter, go to www.breakthroughcocktail.com launch contest. Good luck. Hey, Breakthrough Cocktailers. I want to take a moment and tell you about Compassionate. Compassionate is a global social movement and nonprofit that strives to make compassion a verb. It was started by my friend Sarah Shire, and her mission is to inspire you to take daily compassion actions. How does she do this? It's with her compassionate wristband. You start the day on the black side, and when you compassionate, you flip it to the white side. The wristband is only $10, and the funds go towards compassion training all over the world. To buy yours today, go to www.compassionate, that's C-O-M-P-A-S-S-I-O-N-I-T.com. All right, and so we're back. All right, Danny, this is what I call the lightning round. These are s- some specific questions that I want to ask you to help our listeners just improve their life. So the first question is, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you... Uh, when you were a kid when you were thinking back what did you want to be when you grew up
1: I wanted to be a marine a cop kind of but that's all I can remember got it from being young
0: awesome and we can definitely see that you (laughs) you stuck
1: with that so that's that's great I wanted to be a pro basketball player too for a bit that it's nowhere near realistic for me
0: (laughs) got it all right can you describe one of your
1: biggest failures and how you overcame that I applied i guess this is the the the, the only one that comes to mind as a failure and it's very recent um, I applied to the Oakland Police Department and um, throughout the process I I made a very, very strong effort to get to know everyone involved in the hiring process at Oakland. And I, my goal was to convince them that I was by far their best candidate. And I knew it before I met anyone. But then after I saw all the other people who were applying to be an Oakland police officer, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely the best candidate you have for this class. And, um, and I was, I was like getting special favors done, and I was in more communicate. I was offering to help them with their recruiting before I was even accepted. Um, and then, when it came down for the background of guest investigator to make the final decision, I was denied, and that was a big failure. Um, and uh, I, you know. I was demanded to know why and it was because they felt like I was too much of a risk taker for their department because they, um, you know, the the Oakland Police Department is going through a bunch of political stuff. So bottom line is I was denied. And the whole time I was so cocky and I had this big, you know, I carried myself around there like I owned the place before I was even hired. And then I was denied. That was a failure. Oh, wow. Um, And I was really looking forward to that because Oakland, I wanted to be in one of the most dangerous cities in the country and that was number three on every list I I looked at. And um, So that was a real bummer. Ultimately, though, it turned out to be uh, the best thing that could have happened because in Oakland, you're not even allowed to get out of your car and chase down bad guys. You, If you if you pull up to domestic violence with some guy beating his wife in the front yard, you can't get out of your car until backup arrives. Wow. And that's because it's so dangerous that um, as a rule, the police force must wait for backup. And they only have the money to roll one cop per car. So you will literally have to drive up to the scene, watch someone getting beat and watch... The bad guy run away and you can't chase him down. That's why I want to be a cop is to, to chase bad people down protect good people and if I can't do that in Oakland then I have no business there. So um, I learned that after the fact and that was, turned out to be a great thing and not to mention I wasn't even able to get out of the Marine Corps in time for that academy and um, and my dream was always the NYPD anyways so it it just made sense to To continue through the NYPD process that I had already started.
0: Great. All right. And then the last question I have if you can give one piece of advice to our listeners to help them just live an awesome life, what could that be?
1: Don't allow fear to guide all of your decisions. Um, And that fear is the fear of. what your parents would think about your life decision. Um, the fear of what your friends might think um, of your lifestyle choices or of your um, your profession or the places that you want to go. I've, it's, the, the fear has, has stopped too many people from doing too many things. Uh, I think people need to address their fears and make a stronger effort to not let those fears push them around and once once you stop letting that fear push you around it's it's it 's a freedom that you'll you'll you 'll be grateful for forever awesome
0: cool well thank you danny and so, if anyone wants to get in contact with you um you know, how can they get in contact with you, and what can we expect to see in the near
1: future? Um, well, I'm starting a website based on uh, myself, www.donnieomalley.com and uh, I all of my writings will be published on there. The good, Great. the bad, the ugly, and the funny. So, if uh, if you enjoy um, reading about. San Diego State Frat Life, U.S. Marine Corps, comedy in general, Um, check out my website and uh, check out my stories. Comment on them.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we'll include a link to that in the show notes. And that's about it. Well, thanks again, Danny, for coming on the show, and we
1: really appreciate it. Thank you, Gary, for having me. I I appreciate this opportunity. Cool. All right. Take care.
0: You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the Insider Newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome.